Do you love your work? Do you think it's possible? Well, you're about to find out. It's time for 48 Days to the Work You Love with Dan Miller on the 48 Days Online Radio Show. Whether you need a professional tune-up or a work overhaul, this is the program for you. Now, here's your host, Dan Miller. Well, we're taking care of business. You know, when we talk about business, it covers a whole lot of things. It's like when we talk about art. Art is whatever you do. You know, whatever your gift is, whatever your work is, that is your art. It doesn't matter if you're digging ditches or if you're uh, painting houses or if you're doing actual visual art. We refer to it in a broader sense. Your art is what it is that you do. So when we talk about taking care of business, it really doesn't matter if you have a job or if you have your own business or if you're an independent contractor or if you're a freelancer. Again, you've got business to take care of. So we're here to talk about that. Our theme for today is I want a climate of possibility. Now, keep that thought on your mind. I want to climb it a possibility. I'm going to tell you a little bit more about that here in just a little bit. A couple other things here, well, that'll lead into that. Yesterday happened to be my birthday. Now, I got wishes from all over the world. It was really cool. I don't know how people find out about that. It's certainly not something that I uh, announce, but people do. And so I did. And it was wonderful. I had a wonderful day. Last night, in eating dinner... Well, incidentally, you know, I, I'm a blessed guy. I know that I am living a life that I've dreamed about and just value every day, savor every day. A couple of things. You know, yesterday morning I woke up. Okay, it's my birthday. I thought, you know what? I can skip my workout if I want to. I don't have to listen to the Pimsleur Spanish CDs that I'm going through religiously. You know what? I don't even have to have my smoothie, my protein smoothie. I can go to Krispy Kreme if I want to. I'm a big boy. It's my birthday. I can do whatever I want. Well, where do you think I went with that thinking? I thought that for about 10 seconds, and I thought, now, wait a minute. So the gift I want to give myself is feeling sluggish, non-creative, non-productive? I don't think so. So I amped up my workout. I jumped on the treadmill. I did a super long workout. listened to two podcasts while I was there, then had my protein smoothie and started the day full of energy, excited, creative, ready to go. That's what I want my special day to be like. Not where I'm just crawling along because I'm sugar overloaded or whatever. Well, it was a great day. Ended last night with a birthday party at my daughter's house with her little girls. And It so happened that yesterday, Joanne, my wife, had picked up Clara, our little six-year-old granddaughter, from school. She goes to a Montessori school a couple days a week. So I asked Clara what she had learned in school that day. Well, she immediately said she didn't learn anything, and she seemed kind of surprised that I expected that. So I asked her how she learns all the things she knows, to which she, she responded immediately, from my mom and dad and from making up. And I said, what do you mean making up? Obviously, as adults, making up means you had a tiff with somebody and now you're going to make things all better. That's not what she meant. She said making up is when she thinks things up in her head and then figures out how they work. I love her clarity. And believe me, she is she is clear on anything you ask her. 
Late last night, after we came home, Joanne and I were watching some TED Talks on education. I mean, they had people, well, John Legend was hosting it, but they had Bill Gates on there. And one of the people talking was Sir Ken Robinson, who's just a brilliant mind in education. And he said that children learn when we create a climate of possibility. And that's our quotation for today as well. Children learn when we create a climate of possibility. I see my grandkids being raised in a climate of possibility. I live in that. I mean, I think that's true for us as adults as well. We need a climate of possibility. I certainly look forward to that every single day. And I hope that you are as well. I hope that you are in a climate of possibility. If you are, who knows the things that are going to appear from there. Well, things like those that will give us answers to questions for today. Here's some of the questions you'll be, we'll be dealing with. Dan, I hate what I'm doing now. Have you ever seen hate spelled with about six A's in it to stretch it out and make it longer and more poignant? That's what this person did. I hate what I'm doing now, but I can't leap straight into my dream vocation. Someone says, Dan, my pay plan was just changed. Is this a blessing in disguise? Could my novelty product make me an extra $500? How much is age a factor in getting an interview for a second act career? I'm 56. And another one, I'm 53 with arthritis in my knees. I'm looking for some career that will allow me to continue working. Well, I like to start each week with some success stories. We are not lacking in those at all. Got lots of them. Let me share a couple quick ones. One, I'm going to expand on this because I just shot John a note. John Dumas, you recognize that name. He is the Entrepreneur on Fire podcast guy. Started in August of last year and is now getting over 200,000 downloads a month from over 100 countries. But John has done some remarkable things. Now, again, nobody heard his name before. Well, I'm sure there are people, but I mean, certainly not on a broader circle before August of last year, August of 2012. And now it is May of 2013. That is a very short period of time. He launched his podcast. He interviews somebody every single day, an entrepreneur on fire. So he interviews somebody every single day and has those up. Now he does those on Monday. I know how he does he does all the interviews on Mondays and then does other normal things the rest of the week. However, those normal things have just changed because he's just moving from Maine to San Diego. Now again, I'm going to get a little more clarification from him. I just shot him an email and he's going to give me a little more details on this, but he also has already turned his podcast into a source of a six figure income. Again, I'll share more details on that. He's not known as being a speaker, an author, a consultant, a coach. He is a podcast guy, and he just interviews other people, brought other people to the table. Just one of the tips I have in my 48 marketing tips, it's interview celebrities. You can make yourself a well-known name by interviewing celebrities, and that's what John has done. He's interviewed Guy Kawasaki, Gary Vanacek. Seth Godin, Barbara Corcoran, and on and on and on the list goes and continues to do so and in doing so has built himself this little platform with a popular podcast that now he's got sponsors for creating income. 
cool, cool story. I'll keep you posted on that. John's a member of 48days.net, has a group on there, Entrepreneur on Fire. Jump in that group. You'll find out more details about what he's doing, and you can coattail on his success. You know, nobody is successful by themselves. You know, one of the things that I heard John in a podcast this morning say that I think is really just classic is content is king. I mean, we hear that a lot. You know, content is king. You got to have great content. Yes, I agree. Whether you're writing, speaking, coaching, doing a blog or podcast or whatever, content is king. But he says, connection is queen. And the queen rules the castle. Connection is queen. That's really cool. Now I hear, you know, my buddy Michael Hyatt talk about platform is queen. Content is king. Platform is queen. And yes, we know what he means there. You have to have an audience. But the way John said it, I really like too. connection. Connections are queen in terms of your success. Having great content, doing something really well is part of it. But connections, without connections, your success really isn't going to go anywhere. I mean, it's like being on an island and you have a million dollars in gold. What are you going to do? You know, there's no stores, there's no restaurants, there's nobody else. It doesn't mean anything. Well, having great content is like that. Unless you're connected, it really doesn't mean much. Here's another success story. This comes from Michael Potter in King George, Virginia. I know you're looking for success stories. I thought I would offer mine. I read 48 Days about two and a half years ago. It helped me identify what it was I love to do and gave me a framework to start working toward. I've listened to your podcast for years, which not only provided education, but inspiration to find or create work that is meaningful, purposeful, and even profitable. This month, that dream and hard work all came to a head. I can't tell you how much I am enjoying my work. I wrote a larger post on my blog, financialproverbs.com. Great website, Michael, financialproverbs.com. But here are the four steps that I took. Number one, identified what I love to do. Number two, identified a need. Number three, identified a path. Number four, identified the possibilities. And it started with 48 days and no more Mondays. Thanks for all you do. Well, thank you for your note, Michael. I went to your website. It looks great. It's got some resources there, but you can go there and read his blog on how I started making six figures doing what I love. Just go to Financial Proverbs and you'll find that. And Michael's very clear about the fact that he knew he had the talent and the passion, but he was missing that economic model. So now he's leveraging that into revenue opportunities based on his speaking, teaching, writing, coaching, and so on as an encouragement to others. Well, it certainly is doing that. Thanks for sharing that, Michael. I want to reference that in light of another question here coming up in just a little bit. Well, Dana from Decatur, Georgia says, I'm currently on day 11 of 48 days and it's helping me clarify and sharpen my vision for my vocation. I just don't know how to survive in the meantime. I have my own business, an academic writing service that I'm very unhappy with and want out of the business. I know the work I would love to do is writing and producing theater. I hate what I'm doing now, but I can't leap straight into my dream vocation and I have to support myself and my daughter in the meantime. So I don't know if I should get a job while I'm working on my vision or start another business. I like working for myself and really don't want to go back to a J-O-B. To me, starting another business is splitting my time and focus, but I need to do something else quick. I'm miserable. 
Okay, I'm going to give a brief response here, and then I've got another question that kind of lends itself to this as well. Yeah, I think you're you're on the right track here, and I don't blame you for not wanting to get another job or really starting another business while you're building what you are. I'm a little concerned about what it is you're moving to. Now, the fact that you've been making a living as an academic writer, I think, is commendable. I mean, wow, that, that's stupendous to start with. I wouldn't burn any bridges. You know, if you've got something there to create income, I'd keep that going. When you say that what you'd love to do is writing and producing theater, those are a little hard to identify. I mean, I love writing, but I don't look at writing as a direct source of income. It only leads people back to other things that we offer where we do make income. Now, certainly, you know, I mean, I'm in a position where yeah, I make some with my advances, royalties, and those kind of things. But I, that's kind of gravy. I mean, that's kind of like found money when it occurs. My writing still leads people back to the other things that we do in terms of training, coaching, live events, other products that we have, and so on. So when you say that you want to make your money writing and producing theater, can you create a clear plan for how that would generate the revenue that you need? Can you see that happening in three to six months? If you can, then fine. Then I've got plenty of ideas about how to generate income just in that transition period. But if you see it taking three to five years, that's a different story. I mean, then you're going to be split too many different ways if that's really what you're moving toward and you don't have something significant in addition to that to create your ongoing revenue. Now, remember what Michael Potter offered a little bit ago. I identified what I wanted to do. I identified a need. I identified a path. I identified the possibilities. So you can walk through that process and figure out, can you move from doing the academic writing that you're doing now to writing and producing theater? I really suspect in having some experience in these areas, I really suspect you're going to have something a little more concrete to generate that ongoing income. Maybe this next question will help as well. This comes from David San Diego. Question about leaving my job and starting out on my own. David says, I work at a travel agency and want to start my own agency, but obviously I don't want to do anything unethical in leaving my job to start my own thing. I would not dream of stealing clients or trade secrets, etc. I just think I can focus on a niche in which I especially excel and I want to do my own thing. Normally I've heard it that it takes an agency anywhere from six to 12 months to get off the ground. My thought was to quit my current job, find other sources of income for six to 12 months in between my old job and my new own agency. Does this sound like a reasonable plan or can you see a better solution? No, I think it's a reasonable plan, David, to do exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, it's going to be challenging to start your own kind of travel agency the way it sounds when you're working for a travel agency now. Normally, I would say just continue doing what you're doing now. Start your own business on the side. Build it up to where it duplicates your current income and you've got a seamless, painless transition. But in this case, that's going to be pretty dicey to do. You obviously recognize that where you're going to start your own travel agency while you're working for one. That's has a potential to create problems and hard feelings real quickly. So yes, you can quit. However, instead of just getting another job, I wouldn't, I, which I would not recommend doing, you, know, you just need to figure out what can you do to generate income while you are building your new business. 
Can you see having your new business? Now you say, you know, starting an agency takes anywhere from six to 12 months. Yeah, there's a lot of averages out there. But if you're really intentional about it, you've got a good plan. You've already got industry experience. You can probably shorten that. So let's say that you can do it in three to six months that you can have your agency up and where it's profitable and providing your income. So now we're down to what is it that you can do that'll generate income just for your living expenses during those first three to six months. I don't know what your skills are. I know what I've done in times like that. And I've, I've been through this process multiple times where I want to start a new idea. And so I always revert back to, okay, what am I going to do to make sure that I'm a responsible provider for my family? I've never resorted to, well, Joanne, you need to go get a job because I'm going to play with my dream idea. Never done that. I've always considered it to be my responsibility to provide for my family. Joanna's loved her role as a, a wife and mommy, which I want her to be able to focus on. So it was, I never took that path. I mean, sometimes that works for couples. We just never considered that. I always just said, what can I do to provide our basic living expenses? And the things I've done, I mean, I've painted houses. I've done that a lot. I've done that while I've been in graduate schools where I just paint houses. So there's not an ongoing commitment. It's not getting a job. It's not even having to work eight to five. It's something that I just bid the job and then do it on my own time. Now I want to do it in a timely fashion, but it's not where I'm locked in and prevented from focusing on my studies or prevented from working on my new business. Now, so I've painted houses, flip cars. You hear me talk about that a lot. I've done that a lot. At interim transition times, I know I can go to repo auctions where the bankers selling cars that have been repossessed, clean them up, front them in my own front yard, you know, and make three, $4,000 a month doing that anytime that I need to do that. And I've done a lot of odd jobs, buying and selling things like on eBay, detailing cars. I mean, years ago, I used to do that. I lived in an area where we had oil on the roads. They used to put oil on the roads to keep the dust down when the roads weren't all paved. This is years ago, like back in Ohio. And I would just go around to the neighbors and say, I'll clean all the tar, all the oil off your car and wax it for a set number of dollars. And I could keep myself busy doing that. I love working on cars. It wasn't complicated work at all, but it was also something I could start today and quit two weeks from now if I wanted to, I just wouldn't take any more business in. So things like that that are flexible that allow you income based on skills that you have is the best way to create a transition for yourself. And that's what you do in this period of time where you're moving from your current job to having your own business up and running. You don't want something that's going to lock you in long term. If you have the confidence, you're really going to be able to get your new business up and running and profitable in that three to six month time frame, which is always what I look for. Well, again, you're listening to Dan Miller on 48 Days Online Radio. Hey, one of these days I'll be able to say 48 Days Online Radio in Spanish. I'll figure that out. I am listening to the Pimsleur CDs on Spanish, enjoying the process, running phrases by people that I see during the day, playing with my granddaughters, saying things in Spanish with them as well. Lots of fun. Hey, if you got a question for the 48 Days Online Radio podcast here, just go to 48days.com, click on the podcast link, You'll see options there. You can either just speak your question or you can just write it out as most people do. And I'll be happy to include that in an upcoming podcast. 
Well, here we got a question. Okay, somebody says, please try not to use my name. Well, how about a Bocephus? So how, we'll, go, we'll go with that today. Bocephus says, hi, Dan. Really appreciate your show. The dealership I'm at has just changed their pay plan. And all the salespeople are bummed out about it. I guess this was the motivation I needed to look for other work or another dealership. I think I know what you're going to say. Rather than looking at this as a downer, perhaps I should see this as a blessing in disguise because now I can find another dealership that'll pay me better. Thanks for all you do. Well, I don't know what you've been paid, what you're used to, or what you hope for. I mean, if you're working at a dealership, again, that's a cool thing to do. It ought to be a fun environment. You ought to be selling cars that you're proud to be connected with, but there ought to be a lot of options for that. And yeah, you know, I I think here's, here's how we can kind of frame this. So you're working at a place and they just changed your pay plan. Apparently this is not a positive thing. I mean, sometimes changing pay plans can open up more opportunity, but apparently that's not the way you see it, at least. But here's the deal. And yeah, you already kind of assumed that the direction I'm going to go. A little life experience helps us think forward rather than backward. I mean, when you're really young and you get a real devastating experience or a failure or lose a job, get fired or whatever, boy, it can be a real heart stopper. It's like, Oh my gosh, you know, this is horrible. I didn't expect this. But after that happens a few times and you do go on from there and you realize there's life after getting fired or having your pay plan changed or having a business go south or whatever it happens to be, when you realize, yeah, there really are new opportunities beyond that, it changes your perspective when you hit one of those little bumps in the road. Now, here's what I have observed when you are resentful, angry, depressed, or guilty, we know you're looking back. You're looking at what you're moving from. As soon as you get clear about what you're moving to, we see confidence, boldness, and enthusiasm, and all those negative emotions begin to disappear. Now, think about how many people you know who live totally Looking backward, I mean, it's easy to hear it in their speech and see it in their demeanor, but they're upset and angry about a boss, the government, a spouse, or their mom and dad, and now they're 50 and still doing that? I mean, come on. So you don't like the way you were potty trained, move on with your life. And I really frame most things like this in the same way. So something happened, you know, a company let you go. I mean, is that unfair? Should you be upset and resentful? Sue them for discrimination? I mean, what was your agreement with the company that you were working for? Wasn't it mutual that as long as they felt you were adding value, they would give you a paycheck at the end of the week? Now, what's the flip side of that? If you don't feel the paycheck is adequate, you can leave. No questions asked. If they feel your value is in question, they can ask you to leave. I mean, it really isn't any, any more complicated than that. So, does it make you catch your breath and reevaluate? Sure. Is it the end of the road for you? Absolutely not. You should know 
your skills, your highest areas of competence, those are very transferable. What is it that you're going to take with you? You should have more maturity, more valuable experience, more talent developed, more passion defined as you move to the next opportunity. With that knowledge of all those things, yeah, present yourself as a great candidate. Hold your head high and move on. You know, there really isn't any shame in getting fired or leaving a job in today's workplace. 20 years ago, was that different? Yeah, it was a little different. I mean, we really valued loyalty and longevity, and we really honored the guy who, you know, went to work for a company and stayed there for 30 years. That's really changed. A lot of times now in evaluating a candidate, when somebody sees, when a company sees that you've been at the same place for 20 years, in fact, that may work against you. It may raise some red flags in terms of, golly, has this guy just become complacent? Is he really staying abreast of what's happening out there, what the changes are? I mean, especially in some kind of job areas like sales and marketing or technology where companies expect that you are changing, growing, learning, things are, things are changing in those areas on a daily basis. They want to know that you've stayed current. I mean, recently I talked about the fact that we put out the word that we wanted to add a couple people on our 48 days team. And I said, I don't really care about even seeing your resume. I don't care if you have a PhD or if you dropped out of the eighth grade. What I do want to see is what you've done in the last 18 to 24 months. So recognize that as being your value in a way that you can move ahead. You, so do you define what it is you're moving to, not what you're moving from. And this ought to be something that you have at the top of your mind on a daily basis. Just because you have a current position with a company doesn't mean that you just turn off your brain and think, well, you don't have to think anymore because now you have a job. No, you are being interviewed every single day when you show up. The company is making a new evaluation. Is this a fair trade-off where the value you bring to the table equals the compensation that they're giving you? So it's an ongoing thing. And you should never be caught flat-footed where you have no idea what your marketable skills are or what you would move to if something changed in your current job. You got to be really clear on that. So you could hit the ground running instantly where you know what your marketable skills are. You know your areas of competence. You know your skills and abilities, your personality tendencies, your values, dreams, and passions. Those things we talk about repeatedly here. If you know those things, you ought to be able to identify in five minutes 20 companies that would be a potential match for you where they probably want you on their team. You ought to have that kind of thinking, that kind of anticipation, no matter what. Now, this doesn't mean that you go to work every day, you know, paranoid and suspicious and wondering if they're going to fire you. No, I mean, you can have long-term working relationships that are mutually beneficial on both sides. But if something changes, either by circumstances or your own choosing, it ought to be an easy path to define. This is what you're going to do. This is the direction that you're going. Okay, let me move on here. Beth from St. Louis says, Dan, I've been a listener for years. Your show has inspired me to create a website synthesizing what I've learned about business and homeschooling to encourage parents about the career prospects of their struggling learners. 
I profiled your son, Jared, and thought you might like to know. The website is equalizingstrength.com and is a, and a direct link to the post about Jared is below. I was the one who asked about how Joanne has changed you and was delighted when you answered my question on the show. Well, I did check out, Beth, the, the post. It looks wonderful. I left a comment there. Thanks for doing that. A lot of people have been interested in Jared, our middle child, and uh, he deserves every image that comes to mind when you talk about the middle child because uh, he was a challenge. He was unique. We had, we struggled as parents to figure out how he learned best, and he learns in some very unusual ways. He is not a visual learner. He doesn't read, and being academicians and educators as his mom and dad, that was tough for us to figure out. The fact that he learns by listening to things. He learns much differently. He learns by experiencing things. That's why we pulled him out of traditional school, homeschooled him. And the things that he learned, he learned with hands-on involvement. So if I want him to learn about mathematics and physics and electrical and internal combustion, I mean, I'm not going to have him read a book or sit in a classroom where he's sitting in a chair. No. What we did was I, I bought a 1968 Volkswagen Carmen Ghia, and we learned all those things I just mentioned by working on the car. I mean, we pulled the engine and redid it. We pulled the carpet, the glass out, put new rubber around all the glass, you know, new carpet in the inside. Everything was brand new, worked on the body, filled, sanded, filled and sanded for months and months on end, then painted it ourselves, guards, Porsche red. But we did all those things, and in doing so, Jared learned about physics, mathematics, internal combustion, all kinds of things in the process of doing, just a different kind of learner. So it's been interesting to watch and been exciting to have other people who are interested in that and want to get a glimpse of how we got through that period of time and helping Jared to become the man that he is today. Currently lives in Nairobi, Kenya, having recently moved from Mombasa, which is right on the east coast of Africa on the Indian Ocean. They love to live in there, but because of his work opportunity and an amazing opportunity that I encouraged him to take, even though it required that they move to Nairobi. But it's probably going to be a 18 to 24 month opportunity in this particular capacity. It may maybe more than that, but I thought it would be an opportunity for him to get some amazing experience under his belt. He is currently director of retail operations for Dorman's Coffee in Africa. And in doing that, we'll give him, we'll open some new opportunities where they can go to Brazil or Central America, other places they're talking about. They're the quintessential international couple, and now with a little baby as well, but they love moving around and know that they can land on their feet anywhere in the world with skills that they have. So they're more interested in geography and lifestyle than they are in a particular job or business opportunity, knowing they can create those anywhere they go. But it's been amazing to watch him develop. And now it's, I have the privilege of watching grandchildren come up through and being in the in that climate of possibility, like we talked about at the beginning of the podcast today. Children learn in a climate of possibility. I certainly want that for my grandchildren, my children, and for myself. That's not just when you're a kid. I want that every day when I wake up. Alex from Virginia 
Uh, Dan, you've made a huge positive impact on my life. I read Wisdom Meets Passion and loved it. Read the story about the panic button and tried to research it, but couldn't find it online. I have a similar idea. I want to create a novelty sticker or keyboard cover. It will be specifically for the space bar button. On the button is a Star Trek pun that will state the final frontier. Get it? Space, the final frontier. So he wants a little bar that goes over the space button where it says the final frontier. When you hit that space, I get it. Cool. I hope this can help fund my family's remodeling project. I'd love to surprise my wife with an extra $500. Anyway, I want to touch base with the person who made that panic button to learn everything I can and ask questions like, how do I make this product? How to ship it to individuals? Who should I send it to for promotion? Well, I checked panicbuttons.com, which is the site where that used to be the panic button. The site's no longer up. Uh, Here's the deal. And I get questions like this a lot, you know, so this is something I wrote about in, um, wisdom meets passion. Okay. It may be in wisdom meets passion. So that book came out in September of last year. So it's pretty new. Even there, you're going to find examples that I used in there because I talk about people who are creative, innovative, artistic, entrepreneurial. Guess what those people do? They change. They change daily. They don't keep doing the same thing they were doing six months ago. Now, the interesting thing about this is in terms of government tracking, they see a lot of these people as having failed. I mean, how else would you explain that a business was up three years ago and it's no longer there? Obviously it failed, right? Wrong. That's totally wrong when you're dealing with artistic, creative, entrepreneurial, free thinking people. They change things at the drop of a hat because they love change, challenge, variety, and they simply move on to other things where they're having more fun. Well, I mean, I could, I mean, I've done that all my life. I love change. I love new ideas. I love moving to new things, creating new opportunities. That being said, the panic buttons, now I've got some, I pulled some out because I had some here on my shelf. So I've got the panic button here and it is a little red button. You just peel off the back. It's adhesive and you can put it on top of any key on your computer. So now you've got a panic button. The lady who did those sold over 200,000 of those with really no marketing plan, no advertising, just word of mouth over 200,000 at a dollar a piece. You can do the math on that. Can you make $500 on an idea like this? Oh yeah, you can make $500. You can obviously make 200,000 if the timing is right and the product really takes off. Now she also had a little button, the same kind of thing where you just peel off the back, put it on top and it is titled any key. Remember how you used to get computer tech support and on the phone, they'd say, you know, push any key to continue and people would look on their computer for any key and it's not there. Well, she provided that any key and the panic button. So yeah, she sold over 200,000 of those. Now the site isn't there. I haven't been in touch with her in a while and I really don't know what she did with that site, but my gosh, it was an idea that was popular then and she sure, sure moved on. Her name is Sylvana Clark. She's a very well-known speaker and author. She's written over 12 books and you can, you can still find her selvanaclark.com. If you want to ask her a question about that, you can uh, just go to that website and check it out. Uh, but I, I love those questions 
when people say, well, gee, you talk about a guy who, you know, started a business and I want to talk to him. Geez, that was three years ago. He's done four other businesses since then. It doesn't just stay the same. Well, speaking of which, you know, we've got our Innovate Conference coming up. The next one, the only other one this year in September, it's going to be September 5th and 6th. And if you've heard me talk about the things that we're going to be adding there, I'm going to have Ken Davis there, who's a comedian. Now, this is where it gets interesting. You know, when you have a little success, people want to hitch their wagon to what you're doing. And it's really fun to do things together with other people who are on the same path. I mean, that's why I love what we're doing in the 48days.net community. But like this at our Innovate conference, Ken Davis had dinner with him the other night. And he says, I want to come. I want to be a part of that. I says, what are you talking about? You actually want to do a presentation? Yeah. Yeah. I've heard how much fun it is from my buddy, Michael Hyatt. I want to, I want to come and be a part of it. I said, okay, no problem. We'll give you lunch. Now, Ken, I won't tell you what his speaking fee is, but it's a very high speaking fee. He doesn't go anywhere without being paid extremely well for making his presentations. He wants to come because he heard it's a cool thing to do, a cool place to hang out with a lot of really cool people. So he'll be here. Ken Davis, comedian. Michael Hyatt, of course, will be back. Joanne and Dorsey, Joanne, my wife, and Dorsey McHugh are going to be doing their uh, presentation on how to find your creativity. They've got some exercises to help you tap into yours. Even if you don't know where it is, they'll help you find it. Trust me. Scott Stearman, the sculptor is going to come here. And in the two days of the event, he's going to create a totally new original 48 days Eagle, which I am so excited about. I can't sleep at night. Just thinking about that. But we're going to, we want to introduce things here just to help in 50 different ways for you to unleash your own unique creativity and then do something with that. So it's not just about, you know, tickling your fancy and dreaming up fancy ideas, but then how to put legs on that. How do you take an idea and create $200,000 by releasing a little panic button? You know, we want people to get in the game. That's why I share stories on here about people, not only who had ideas, but people who have done something with those. But anyway, go to, go to innovate. All you have to do is put in innovate, 2013.com. So put in innovate2013.com. Check out the picture of the gang that was here in March. I mean, you talk about a rowdy group of people, you'll see them there. But big group around Aristotle, check out that. I mean, we're going to engage all of your senses when you come, but uh, see if you can secure your spot for that September Innovate. We're going to have a blast. Talked to my older brother about it yesterday. He was an educator for his entire working career, taught for, I think, 33 years and then retired. But he wants to come. He's been doing some things with pottery and wood since he retired. And he's like, my goodness, I need to come so I can see more potential with what I'm doing rather than just piddling out in the garage. So he'll be here. You know, incidentally, the Innovate2013.com. Now, that's an example of getting a domain that'll work for you. People say, oh, I want to do something, you know, innovate. Well, it's a real common word. Can you get innovate.com? Not a chance, but we tied it to an event. Could I get innovate 2013 because it's time sensitive? Yeah, absolutely. That was available. No problem at all. So I can send you right to innovate2013.com. 
Guess who also has, because of the success of that event, guess who also has Innovate 2014, 2015, 2016? I do. I already have those domains. So we can continue to use that as long as we want to. Now, is this an event that we're going to do for the next 10 years? I don't think there's any chance in the world, knowing me that we'll have this event 10 years from now. I don't know how long we'll have it. It doesn't matter. We'll have it as long as we're having fun. And people are having fun coming to it. You know what? See, we morphed right to the bank into this event. We realized that at our writing conferences, we were attracting artists, musicians, comedians, speakers, coaches, who were having the same challenges. How do I take my creative skill and get into the game? How do I create extraordinary income? How can I do the kind of things, Dan, that you've done with 48 days? And we were just simply teaching people that, but we realized we were attracting a broader audience, so we changed. So the focus is not on writing, it's on a broader sense of what is your creative skill that you bring to the table. This last one we had an aesthetic pruner, a guy who's a certified arborist was here, a guy who writes reviews on food. So he's a chef, but he he really writes reviews. From Salt Lake City, nice young guy, Jeff, and he you know, so we, we have people like that who were here. So we changed. Guess what? Now we have people say, oh, I wanted to come to write to the bank. Well, we had it for three years. You didn't come. It's gone. It's over. It, it, it's changed to something else. If you want to be a part of what we're doing here, you better jump on board. Nothing we do is guaranteed to be around next year, let alone three years from now. Well, let me go back, grab a couple more questions here. Uh, Greg says, are most people that are successful in semi-retirement doing so based on their original day job, or are they moving into a whole new direction? What do you find are the key factors to success for those moving into semi-retirement? Well, you know, this is becoming a really big issue because when we talk about semi-retirement, I mean, people used to think that you hit 50 and you're looking at retirement. Well, look at the workplace now. I mean, my goodness, there are people that work way beyond that. But if somebody did go to work, I mean, I know guys that went to work for General Motors when they're 18, they put in 30 years. You know how old that makes them? 48. Can you imagine looking at retirement at 48 years old? Well, a lot of them did that. So they took retirement, but they realized hitting a golf ball every day or sitting on the bank of a river fishing, you know, it gets a little old, even though it sounds really dreamy to be able to do that all the time. You really don't want to do it all the time. And these people are saying, golly, I need something. Even if I don't need the money this week, I had a blog up that where a guy says, I don't need the money. I need the job where the guy's a multimillionaire makes over $2 million a year on his investments, but he goes to a job as a train conductor because he loves the job. So he doesn't need the money, but he says, I need the job. Well, a lot of people are discovering that moving into what they thought was going to be retirement. They may not need the money, but they need the job. Now, do most people move into those kind of things based on what it is they did previously? That's real common. I would say probably 80% leverage skills that they developed in their working lifetime, their working career to do whatever they do in their retirement area. So they may move into consulting based on what it is that they were an expert in, in their regular job. Now, sometimes somebody will make a real U-turn or take something that they always had as a hobby. So now they're going to 
buy and sell model trains or build those and do shows and teach courses on that. I mean, certainly that happens, but it's a lesser percentage of people. Most do leverage what they came out of in their regular career to make that the basis of what they do in their semi-retirement. There's another one here that I wanted to ask. I mean, that I wanted to answer. Oh, here it is. So Mike says, how much is age a factor in getting an interview for a second act career? I'm 56. Well, it's a factor no matter where you are. But what you're implying is, is it a negative factor for you to be 56 when you're interviewing in a particular position? Possibly. But let me throw this out as a scenario. Is it ever a negative to be 23 when it shows up and you're going to be interviewed? You better believe it. So there are times when it's going to work against you to be 18 or 28 or 38. Can it work to your advantage to be 56 or 66? Yes, there's a lot of times in today's environment where it works to your advantage. So don't assume this is a blanket kind of negativity. You just simply, I mean, in any scenario, you're looking for a great match. So you want it to be a match anyway. Don't assume that it's going to be a negative. Find the places where it will be an advantage for you to be 56 years old. That's what you want to do. Well, some other questions here that would fit into that, but we need to kind of switch gears and wrap up. I want to give you a summary. Remember the Michael Potter summary, the four points. That's a good review of today's podcast. Identify what you love to do. Identify a need. Identify a path. Identify the possibilities. And then just create an economic model and you're home free. Also, remember, if you're starting your own business, don't get a new job. Find something creative you can do to generate your living expenses so you can quickly get your business up to speed. If you are going to start your own business, so you quit your job and then you're going to get another job as an interim to just provide your living expenses, now that you're going to slow yourself down too much. Finding a new job, there ought to be that two to three year implied commitment there. There's going to be a new learning curve. Yeah, that's going to slow you down. So my encouragement is do something creative. And there are so many ways to make money. I identified some of the things that I did in those kind of transition times. Never did I go get a job as part of a transition. Always, I just figured out what is our, what are our basic needs? If it's three or $4,000 a month, whatever it happens to be, I'm going to do something to generate that just based on painting houses, flipping cars, or doing the kind of things that I talked about. I'd encourage you to do the same. Hey, and I want to also just remind you our theme for today. I love this theme. Children learn when we create a climate, a possibility. And boy, I, I didn't tell you what number my birthday was yesterday, but I'll tell you what, at my age, having children and grandchildren, I still crave that for myself. I crave having a climate, a possibility. I trust you do as well. If you aren't in it now, look for ways to create it. Get around other people who will nurture that. Other people who see possibilities, who think that. Make sure that you're spending time with people where you'd trade positions with them. 
You know, if you're asking advice from somebody, would you really trade positions with them? I don't, I'm not carrying that to an extreme, but make sure that you're drawing strength and new possibilities from people who are big thinkers, who are convinced there are new possibilities, not the naysayers, the whiners, complainers, and criticizers. Those people pull you down. So make or find your own culture of possibility. That's what you want. Well, thanks for being part of this community. Check out the action at 48days.net. I hope you're part of that growing group of people who are convinced there are things they can do. And we are part of this growing group of people who are either finding or creating work that is meaningful, purposeful, productive, and profitable. Let us know your successes so we can share them with others to encourage them as well.